Welcome to Living Stones Fellowship. Uh, our goal here is to make known the true meaning of Scripture. Our job here is to take what we learn and what we understand about Scripture and live according to the plan and purpose of God. We are continuing with our series on the Great Commission. We've learned about the fact that we should not make the goal the wrong thing. We don't want to have our goal to be to read the Bible. Our ultimate goal shouldn't be to come to church, go to Bible study. Uh, our ultimate goal is not that. That's the preparation. We study our Bible in preparation for something. We fellowship together in preparation for something. We pray in preparation for something that is the goal. We live the Christian life in preparation for something that is the goal. The goal is evangelism. We want to live a life that glorifies Christ so that when we share the message of Christ, the way we live is not in contradiction to what we preach. Amen? So therefore, we've looked at also the message of the Bible, the message of the Great Commission, the message of evangelism, and that message is repentance for the forgiveness of sin. Turning away from a way of living and turning to the way God calls us to live. Turning away from sin, turning to God. And in that exchange, as Jesus is our substitution, uh, we are granted forgiveness. We are granted, uh, not just in word, but we're granted forgiveness in the same context of if a bank forgave your home loan and now you no longer have to pay that home loan, you now have freedom to do things and live in a way that you couldn't before. Salvation is far more greater than that. Of course, you can't even put a, a uh, quantity on the weight of salvation. It's infinite in its effect and power, but it gives us the power to live a certain way. We are freed from sin and we're able to now live for Christ because we have been born again as a result of hearing the gospel message. Well, today we're going to be looking at the astonishing reality of evangelism. You know, last week we talked about the fact that even after the disciples had spent three years with Jesus, even from all the study and all the things that he had taught them, Matthew, uh, excuse me, Luke chapter 24, verse 44 through 45 revealed something astonishing to us is that Jesus had to open their minds so that they could make the connections from all that they learned. And it was in them being able to make those connections that they were now prepared and ready to go and evangelize. Uh, of course, uh, pending the coming Holy Spirit, once the Holy Spirit had came and indwelt them, they were ready. And today, the same is true. The Lord has to open our minds to the scriptures, not just in a supernatural way, but also through the gifts that he's given to the body and teachers and preachers to explain the meaning of the text. All of this working together brings us to having an open mind so that all that's written can be connected properly and we can begin to live to the glory of God. Today, we need to know when we go, after our minds are opened, after we truly begin to see the meaning of the text and we begin to see 
uh, humans for, for who they really are. And we begin to see the plan of God for what it really is. And the confusion begins to, to dissipate. What then? What's the reality? It's a fact that once all the connections are made and once a mind has truly been opened, that mind realizes that they must be an evangelist. They must, that it is a command to proclaim the gospel and to invite people to come and hear the gospel. It is a command to live it, that all we do in our studies, in our reading, in our living, in our prayer, in our fellowship is all for the goal of evangelism and fulfilling the Great Commission. But what realities are there? Once we begin to go, Jesus prepares us so that we can go with the right expectation of what's in front of us. After all, those of us that have been being changed by the word of God, how excited are we about the change we're seeing? In fact, in the midst of that transformation, in the midst of that conversion, we begin to have this thought process of who in the world wouldn't want this? Who wouldn't want to have the Lord to bring this type of peace and understanding and joy and perspective and outlook on life? Who wouldn't want this? We become so excited about what we begin to receive from the Lord in our salvation. But at the same time, we need to have the reality that everyone is not going to have that same excitement. In fact, some are going to have the complete opposite. Amen? Two fingers if you're with me for those who are directly within us, uh, within our, our reach. Well, I want us to go to Matthew chapter 10, verse number 16. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to read the text. Matthew chapter 10, verse number 16. And the Bible says to us, I'm going to read all the way through verse 23 because in the weeks to come, we'll be going through all of these verses. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Behold, Jesus speaking, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say. For it will be given to you in that hour what you are to say. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. And brother will betray brother to death. And father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all because of my name. All meaning all of these categories previously spoken of. But it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. Verse 23. But whenever they persecute you in this city, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, 
you will not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this truth. We pray that we come to understand it now and understand how it relates to us. That your word here right now is speaking to us. For those who want to hear from you, this is how they do it. Through your word, not just reading it, not just thinking about it, but getting the right meaning of your word is how we hear from you. Lord, allow some today to hear from you through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Evangelism. After someone has been evangelized, after someone has come to receive the gospel, accepted, after one has made the decision after having their heart changed to come and follow Jesus, to live all the rest of their days out for his glory, after one has committed themselves to study and not being conformed to the world, there becomes a time when they have to begin to help others to go through the same process. And when we look at this passage of scripture here, I just want to give you some thoughts to help us paint the context around what is happening. So the 12, as we see, they, they had no idea what they would face in proclaiming the gospel message. They, they had no clue to what they were actually going to face. The principles taught in, in this passage are not just for the apostles, but they're for us as well. They're for all believers. All who represent Jesus throughout redemptive history will need to understand these principles. A few things we learn from Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 through 23. We learn first in Matthew 16 through 23 that we are informed as believers to the kind of opposition that we will face. We learn from these verses the kind of opposition that we can expect to face as we go out in the name of Jesus, proclaiming the message of Jesus. Second, in these passages, we are informed as believers of the attitude that we are to have while facing opposition. Third in these passages, we are going to be informed about the promised provisions from God as we face these oppositions, as we face our opposers. We're going to be learning about how to endure the opposition, how to recognize it, identify it, and endure. Fifth, uh, we're going to learn about how the Passages here inform the believer of the different sources, the different kinds of people, the different kinds of environment that we, environments that we can expect to experience opposition from. And six, this passage informs us as believers of how we are to respond to the opposition. Wouldn't you agree that these are significant things to, to understand that as we are going out as sheep among wolves, that we need to be careful to make sure we understand and know what to expect. We need to know the kind of opposition we are going to face. We need to also understand the attitude that, that we need to have while facing these opposers, 
Uh, we need to also understand that the kind of uh, attitude that, that, that we are having as we face this, this type of challenge here, we need to not only understand our attitude, but we need to understand God's promises of what he says as we're dealing with this opposition. We need to know who, who's going to bring this opposition, who are the sources, and we need to know how to respond. So that as we evangelize, our attitudes, our responses, our trust is all operating in a way that brings glory to God. The way we respond while we're evangelizing, our attitude while we're evangelizing, our understanding of what's going to happen while we're evangelizing is all going to be a part of determining how effective our evangelistic efforts are. It's not just proclaiming the truth. It's also having the right attitude and the right motives and the right responses to the opposition. Everybody with me so far? That's, that's what Jesus is preparing them for right now, lest they go out and just begin to preach truth without lifestyle and fall into hypocrisy. Lest they not expect the hostility that will come and grow weary in their well-doing. Verse 16 tells us these words. Behold, meaning pay attention to this. Focus on this. Hear what I'm saying on this topic. Behold, I send you out in the midst of wolves. I send you out in the midst of wolves. I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Can we think on that for a moment? We tend to just read scripture without thinking on it. Uh, the, the reason for preaching, the gift of the preacher, is for exposition, to begin to expound, to begin to inspire thought around the text that lines up with other texts within the text, within the Bible. So when you think of a sheep, you can't help but think of this illustration of Jesus' choice of, of, of labeling uh, us as his followers as sheep. But when we think about it, it goes perfectly because he calls himself the good shepherd. And of course, a good shepherd would have sheep. And we are his sheep. And when you think of a sheep, a sheep is about the most helpless and dependent animal there is. Have you ever seen a mean sheep? Have you ever seen a, a, a sheep where they're putting out alerts all over the city? There's a, there's a sheep. Uh, there, there are three sheep uh, that are loose in Newport News, Virginia. Make sure everybody's locked in their houses. Stay locked in your cars. If you see the sheep, make sure you don't get out of your car. Stay away from it. This sheep is dangerous and deadly. Sheep are about the most helpless and dependent creatures on the planet. And the greatest enemy of a sheep is its predators. Is its predators. And Jesus, his disciples, which we are disciples, disciples are pupils. Are you a pupil of Jesus? Are you a student of Jesus' teaching? Are you a follower of Jesus? If you are a student of Jesus' teaching through the Bible, if you are a follower of Jesus, then you are a disciple, and disciples are described in Scripture as sheep. 
We see the analogy of the sheep. We are the sheep. Then he says he's going to send us out as sheep among wolves. Jesus had had called his disciples to go out among wolves. That's what he's doing to paint the picture of what evangelism is going to be like. If you can picture sheep going out among wolves, when you see that picture, you're like, well, it's not going to last long. It's not going to be a long story. It's not going to have a happy ending. When I think of sheep going out in the midst of wolves, I don't see any good coming out of that. That's a reality, isn't it? So why is he using this analogy in this way? We'll we'll see as we continue to look deeper into the text. To not only go out among them, but to actually go into the territory of the wolves. To go into the world's systems. We are called as sheep to actually go out into the territory of the wolves. Now you think about it, wolves tend to, I mean, sheep tend to find a place and the shepherd helps them to find a place where they're protected from the wolves because the wolves come out of their territory and go out looking for what they can devour. But can you imagine the look on the face of the wolves when they're in their dens and the sheep just walk in their dens? Can you imagine? I mean, I mean, can you imagine the wolves are like, they're like nudging each other. Like, hey, did you, do you, do you see, do you see this? The sheep are coming. They're coming into our den. Wait, wake up. Wake up. You, you gotta, something's going on here. This has got to be a trick. I can see the wolves even being a little hesitant. Like, wait a minute. Something's going on here. This must be some kind of a setup. That's not natural, is it? But however, uh, from another aspect, from another angle, this is the cost that accompanies discipleship. This is the cost. This is the kind of picture that's being painted of we being like sheep going out into the den of wolves. This is the expectation. This is how we should see it. Because this is what it's going to be like. However, Jesus' disciples have no need to fear, do they? Because of the shepherd they belong to. Now, human earthly shepherds today, they work to not put their sheep in danger and to protect their sheep. And they're good shepherds for doing that. But the shepherd we serve is so good, his plan is so so different than what we would think in our own understanding that that he does the opposite he actually is 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 submitting and and is allowing and commanding that his sheep and no wonder the sheep are hesitant to go in this analogy can you imagine if you were a shepherd and the sheep have seen what the wolves do to sheep and you tell your sheep hey listen everybody i want you all to go down this road, there's a big cave, it's a wolf's den, I want you to go in there and spend the night. The sheep are like, I think we need another shepherd. We really, it is definitely time that we find another shepherd because this shepherd has lost his mind. We knew he was getting older, it's probably Alzheimer's or something setting in. 
It's probably he's losing his mind, but we got to get out of here because we cannot do this. This doesn't make any sense at all. You know what's going to happen to us if we go into the den of the wolves? But Jesus is the good shepherd because these sheep belong to him and Jesus protects his flock. He protects them. He protects them from the loss of the things that he wants them to accomplish. They actually could die. He's not protecting them necessarily from the pain or from the consequence of going amongst wolves, but he is protecting the gospel message from not being declared to the wolves. Are y'all seeing that? And sometimes uh, Christians actually die in the proclamation of the gospel. But the gospel was heard and it was seen and the, the willingness of them to do something so crazy to the rest of the world. To actually go into the hostile environments and proclaim the gospel has an effect on some of the wolves. Not all of them, but some of them said there's something more. The, the way that these people believe, the belief they have is something deeper than just an intellectual preference. They believe to the point of death. They're not indifferent. They're not back and forward. They, they really believe what they believe. The imagery used here is to prepare all disciples, past, present, and future, for what they will encounter as they go to be his witnesses. As their minds are open to the truth. As they understand the message of the gospel. As they begin to live their lives to the glory of God. As they go out, they're going out as sheep among wolves. And he is preparing them to understand what it's going to be like. Amen. Everybody with us? With us so far? I want you to think about a couple couple passages of scripture here in regards to uh, what it's going to be like. What is the what is the great commission going to be like? Jesus says, "Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves." Acts 20 29 through 31. Acts chapter 20 verse 29 through 31 reads 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 this way. I know that after my departure, what does it say? Fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. For three years, Jesus has been teaching. He's been admonishing them with tears. He's been teaching them, but the wolves are going to come. And if we don't understand what Jesus is preparing us for, then as we begin to go out and evangelize, some of those we evangelize will make us forget everything that we've been being taught for the last three years. They will shake the very foundation of everything we believe. We will almost forget all that the Lord has been doing in our heart through his word. They will bring about doubt upon every single thing that we've learned. 
So Jesus prepares them to say, hey, I've been admonishing you for three years, but you need to know that if you don't understand what to expect, and if you don't understand that some people that come to you are sheep and wolves are, are wolves in sheep's clothing, they will shake your very faith. They will deceive you. You have to recognize that, that, that haters will put on sheep's clothing and come into the fold. We see this principle of, of wolves uh, also in Romans chapter 8, 31 through 39. Listen to how it reads here. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God? Who is indeed interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. Meaning we're being persecuted. We're being lied on. We're being mistreated. We're being misunderstood. We're being slandered. Killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Jesus is preparing disciples to know this is what it's going to be like as you go out. Verse 37 says, no, in all these things, know this, in all these things, we are what? More than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Paul says, yes, you will be persecuted. Yes, you will be hated. Yes, you may even lose your life, but nothing Nothing will be able to separate you from the love of Christ. Don't be afraid of the persecution. It cannot thwart. It cannot hinder eternal purposes and plans. We also see in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 20, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. How do you find out when they come to you in sheep's clothing, when they come to you looking like they're sincere and want to come to the Lord, they come to you in this way, how do you find out that they're ravenous wolves when sound doctrine is presented to them, when the call of repentance is presented to them, 
When, when the truth of God's word is presented to them, when it hits their ravenous, rebellious, unsaved hearts, hostility in some manifests itself. Verse 16, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruit. You keep on preaching and proclaiming the gospel. You keep on inviting them into the ministry. You keep on trying to connect them. And as you're doing all the things you're supposed to do, you will know them by their fruit. They will either become hostile, they will either become indifferent, or they will become changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, by fellowship with his people, through prayer, through living out the life the Lord has called us to live. We, we see these elements here that are very significant and very important to us in regards to our walk with Christ. Uh, but it continues. We can keep on. We can go to Matthew chapter 7, verse number 20, uh, 24. Uh, as a matter of fact, I may go back to, to 20, 21 if I can. Matthew 20, uh, right there. I'll go right on over here to Matthew 7, 24 through 26. You can even throw this one in too. I didn't put it on the slide, but Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Matthew chapter 7, 24 through 26. That is there on the screen. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain and the, the uh, floods came, and the winds began to blew, blow on that house, and it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. What is Jesus painting a picture of here? He's showing us that those that are coming, not as wolves in sheep's clothing, but those who are truly his sheep, you'll know them by their fruit. You'll, you'll know them. They'll be distinguished from those because in the end, they will receive true eternal life and not be quoted. I never knew you depart from me because their house, Matthew 7, 24 through 26 has been built on the rock. We begin to know them in this way. Matthew 7, 28 through 29. Jesus finished saying these, uh, finished these things and the crowds were astonished. They were astonished at what he taught, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not their scribes. Jesus is teaching the whole principle of you will be persecuted. You will be hated. But listen, those who are the true sheep, those who are truly being called, which is what you're looking for, you'll know them by their fruit. 
You know them by the end result. You'll know them because they are my sheep and they know my voice and they are building themselves upon the rock, the foundation of the truth found in my word. But he said he will send us out among sheep, uh, send us out as sheep among wolves. We said about the sheep, we talked about them, but we also looked at the fact that it is not natural. It is, it is not natural for wolves to go into, uh, 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 for sheep to go into a wolf's den. But it is natural for wolves to raid a flock of sheep. Isn't that right? That is natural for, for wolves to, to do that. It, it's not natural for a shepherd to send his flock into danger. Jesus sends all his disciples into a world that is hostile towards the gospel. And in some cases, we go up and we find people who come to us or we get to them who are wolves in sheep's clothing. Why does Jesus do it in this way? Why? Because this is where we can serve Jesus the best by winning souls. We, we serve Jesus. We represent who he is the most when we are in the mode of evangelism, willing to go out as sheep among wolves. We live in a time and a culture today and even among Christians have fallen to the influence of it to where everything is about trying to figure out how to protect yourself. How do I protect myself against people who are going to say abusive things to me? How do I protect myself against this and protect myself against that and protect myself? How do I protect my heart? How do I protect my mind? I need to protect my feelings. I need to protect. Can I bring you a news flash today? You can't protect yourself from Satan. You can't protect yourself from demonic influence. You can't protect yourself from what you see. You can't protect you. Any protection that anybody has is from the protection of the Lord. How do you protect yourself? Trust and obey the Lord. Anything outside of trusting and obeying the Lord has put a person in a place of danger. This is the picture that Christ wants us to have. So how do I protect myself against these people? You don't. You trust me. The shepherd protects the sheep. You obey me. You do what I've commanded you to do. You go where I've called you to go. And trust me as the shepherd, the good shepherd, to protect you. Don't create your own defense part department. Don't try to come up with a defense plan. I am the good shepherd. I will protect you. You can go and obey the great commission and I will protect you. I think we need to define that in protection because someone may say, I, I know of a person who was a missionary and they went out to be a missionary and they were killed. Some people became very hostile towards them and they were killed. Why didn't God protect them? You got to understand protection more than that. God will protect them in a way that where he will allow them to accomplish what he's called them to accomplish. And if proclaiming the gospel is what he's called you to do, he'll protect you from not disobeying him or protect you from disobeying him in not proclaiming it by going. You may die, but God has protected your soul. God has protected your salvation. God has protected your witness. He's protected your light. He's protected all the things that bring forth the witness to his glory. Do you not know that the death of a person can bring about the glory of God? 
Have you not understood the entire uh, uh, climax of the whole Bible to the point where a death, an undeserved death, brought about salvation to many? That through one man, sin entered the world, but through one man, many have been saved? That there is glory that is brought to God when a person is in obedience to him, proclaiming the gospel, and were put to the death. You begin to study the early church martyrs. They considered it to be an honor to die for Christ. They considered it to be an honor to suffer for Christ. Because they were Christ-like and they were so connected to the scriptures to where they had the standpoint and the view that if Christ suffered, I must suffer. If Christ died, I must die. If Christ was persecuted, I must be persecuted. I am like Christ, therefore I should be treated as Christ was treated. And if it means death, then to God be the glory. They would have killed me as a result of me proclaiming the truth. That's the perspective of the scriptures. Jesus is preparing us to go. This is the call to discipleship. There is a cost. We don't talk about that too much anymore. It's this easy believism. Uh, it's all about Jesus enhancing your life to be like you want it to be. It's it's like the spiritual side of the world's uh, material, uh, glamorous life, except you choose Jesus as your option to give you a glamorous life. And that is not what the Bible teaches. The obedient believer is voluntarily going out among wolves as sheep and trusting that the good shepherd will protect what needs to be protected, that will protect the witness, will protect the testimony, will protect their faith. And that could, in some cases, be as a result of that person dying. Sometimes the death of a person is necessary for the gospel message to be heard, to be believed, to be received. This is what our Bible teaches. Contrary to popular belief, and our question in closing today is, do we, do you, Love and trust Jesus enough to go into all the world, even though the world is hostile to the gospel. Now that Jesus has presented what the cost is, now that he's shown you what it's going to be like, now that he has presented this to you in this way, and it may be different than what you thought. Maybe you thought people were just going to be so excited when you brought this to them. Maybe you thought that they were going to be so appreciative. Maybe you thought your testimony was going to be so impacting. Maybe you thought that it's time that somebody would, would or maybe everybody, or most people, or whatever, people you thought would, won't, and won't, would, and all these kinds of things. But the question is, now that you see the picture of what it's going to be like, now that you know that it could literally culminate in a physical death, are you still willing to go? Some of the prophets proclaimed the truth and were told in advance that no one will listen and respond positively to what you're saying, but they still proclaim the truth anyway. They still trusted and listened and obeyed God anyway. 
Do you love and trust Jesus enough to go into all the world, even though he's presented up front what the cost is? I pray that today's message has helped you to understand what it's going to be like as we go out to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come and fellowship and grow together. We pray for those who have heard the teaching today. We pray for those who've heard this teaching and maybe have not yet repented in exchange for forgiveness of sins, that they today would have heard this word and heard uh, the, the fact that they may be a wolf at this point, that they may be or could be a wolf in sheep's clothing, but we know that some of the wolves hear the truth and realize that they are ultimately a sheep and are coming to follow and are hearing your words today. They hear your voice and they know it and that maybe someone today will come to the reality that they need to repent and turn from their sin, turn from their adultery, turn from their fornication, turn from their lying, turn from their idolatry, turn from their life and turn to God Hope that they've received that message today, Lord. Pray for some, Lord, that are indifferent, that their hearts would be changed. And I pray for those who have been converted, that they would understand what to expect, Lord, that you've given to them up front as they go out to be your witnesses. May we all have these words burn in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you go even though you know that it's a hostile environment, even though, though you know you will be hated, even though you know you will be persecuted, even though it may be from your family, even though it may be from your job, maybe from your husband, maybe from your wife, will you go? Jesus has given us what to expect. Those who love him will keep his commandments. Let's sing our closing hymn together. And after the hymn, you're free to be dismissed.
God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon.